Hey everyone, Scott Branley here. Before we start this podcast, just wanted to let you know there are a few topics that are sensitive in this particular episode, but there are some incredible miracles, and it's an amazing story of faith and hope um, after tragedy. Um, also, at the very end of the podcast, there's a special bonus story that Tammy told us after we ended the podcast, but it's so good we had to include it. So, at the end of the credits, make sure you stay tuned and listen to that story because it will definitely touch your heart. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Hi, everyone. I'm Scott Branley. And I'm Alicia Coakley. Every member of the church has a story to share, one that can instill faith, invite growth, and inspire others. On today's episode, we're going to hear how one woman's traumatic past helped her develop an everlasting trust in the timing of the Lord. Welcome to Latter-day Lights. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Latter-day Lights. We're so glad you're here with us today, and we're really excited to introduce our guest, Tammy Garlic. Tammy, how are you today? Doing good. Tammy, I heard uh, just a minute ago you were saying you were just crying all day in church. I... I <laughs> Don't you hate that? You're always like, oh, my eyes are so puffy. My yes. face is red. <laughs> yeah, it's a common thing in my, in our household. It's kind of a joke. Yeah. <laughs> mom likes to cry. I know. It's almost <laughs> like a game, isn't it? Sometimes they're like, ooh, can we get mom to cry? <laughs> <laughs> no, they know I can't, they can make me dro- cry at a drop of the hat. <laughs> uh, it, is, it is just one of those things being a woman sometimes, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, my kids well, don't think I ever cry. But yeah, I don't think you do either. <laughs> when I was a bishop, I did. I cried all the time. When I, was, I must like, missed that. Maybe I was too yeah. busy crying to see you cry. Mm, <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, Tammy, we're so excited to have you here. Um, and we're so thankful that you reached out and are willing to hop on and share your story with us today. Um you kind of mentioned when we were getting things set up how you came across our our podcast, and we always love hearing these um, these little stories because it's just so interesting for us to hear like where it's gone and how it's got out there. Um, would you mind sharing just what you told us about how you yeah, how you found absolutely? Us? I actually was kind of perusing YouTube because I had had. Um, I'd had some friends and, and close acquaintances who have been, uh, had some materials about the church and about the gospel. Um, and they, it just has been a hard thing for me for, to be able to combat that. And so I was actually looking online for faith filled, faith promoting stories and came across your podcast. So I, I really am grateful for what you're trying to do. Well, that just warms our hearts. Thank we you. we are so happy that <laughs> that you are you you're are making a difference. Us. You're making a difference. We hope so. We hope so. You are well, and really, it's not even us, right? It's the it's our guests. Honestly, it's it's people like you who are willing to get on here and to share your stories and share your struggles and and then share the beauty that you've been able to find um, throughout all of those. So, thank it's you. It's a collaboration for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I appreciate the opportunity. Oh, good. Great. Well, we're excited to have you on the show, and we're really excited to hear your story. But before we get to that, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? 
I am a lifelong member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I grew up in the church. I was very fortunate that way. I have um, four beautiful children, three of whom are living still, and uh, they are the light of my life. I'm married, and we live in Utah, and I love... I love making things beautiful. I am an interior designer, and I just enjoy being able to work one-on-one with people and having that connection and 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 helping them to to make their surroundings beautiful. I am going to need to hire you. <laughs> You're going to have to come out to Texas, and ha- you can see behind me. I don't even know. I just threw stuff up there, and I was like, I'm totally game. To good. <laughs> That looks, looks good, beautiful. Alicia. I like your background. Looks beautiful. Yeah, what's funny is I have nothing on the bottom shelf there because I just <laughs> I don't even know. I know what I like, but I don't know where I like to put it until I see it there. It's almost like I just need inspiration from people. So, yeah, well, I'll just fly yeah. you out. Yeah. You can just come hang out with me in hey. Texas and fix my home. <laughs> it's a date. Love it. <laughs> oh, perfect. Well, Tammy, um, we are going to go ahead and turn the time over to you, and I will let our listeners know uh, this one is is going to be filled with some um, some hard things, and so you might want to grab some tissues, might want to turn off any other distractions, um, and just kind of get cozy because because Tammy has a story. <laughs> so with that, we will turn the time over to you. Okay, uh, my story starts. Uh, I was born in California. Uh, my mother was pregnant with me. She had five children, and I am the fifth. Um, her husband, my father, was in a plane crash uh, with my older brother, my oldest brother, who was 12. And um, he was thrown from the plane, but he received burns all over his body and shattered legs. And so my mother, who was pregnant with me, uh, had an extremely traumatic experience in that she had just lost her husband. And then her 12-year-old boy was severely burned and um, was in the hospital on morphine. Mm -hmm. And at 12 years old, he became an addict. Um, So Mm -hmm. when I was born, I kind of was thrown into that environment of trauma. Um, I was born with a birthmark on half of my face. So my mother also had that to contend with and, and the struggle of that. Um, I wear makeup, but uh, you can you can sometimes tell that there's a that sometimes there's a difference in the in in my face on both sides. But that's been something that has been a challenge in my life. But uh, I've also learned that it has been this beautiful gift that has taught me intense compassion and and being able to see people for who they truly are mm-hmm. and with eyes, different eyes. So mm-hmm. even though it's a challenge, it's been, it's been a blessing. Uh, in that childhood uh, of having a family who was very reeling from the trauma, of losing their father and then having a brother who who was it it was almost a natural a natural uh transfer uh, a natural thing for him to become an addict because of the morphine Mm -hmm. they had put him on and then having his 
father, who was his best friend, uh, taken. Um, it was it was it was just a almost a a given, right? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. going through that as a child, and my first memories being of a lot of violence, uh, my mother moved us from Torrance, California to Utah when I was three years old. Um, my brother was kind of heavy in the midst of that, of the addiction, and she was attempting to try to get him away from his friends and the influence of in California, which was during the 60s, uh, the, late, the late 60s, early 70s, when this was happening and, you know, L.A. in the, in the 70s was kind of the drug, you know, the drug pain. And so she was trying to get him away from that. Well, it just, it didn't. You know, anyone who knows who's dealt with addiction, it doesn't, doesn't, environment doesn't always change that. So Mm -hmm. my earliest memories were of the police frequently at our house and uh, a lot of violence and a lot of the family trying to, uh, trying to resolve that and trying to have some bit of normalcy. But it was, for me, as a child, it gave me this undeniable education in the contrast of the dark and the light. Because my mother was an angel. Mm. And she was the most faithful person I think I've ever met in my life. And I consider her to be one of the greatest gifts that the Lord could have ever given me. Mm-hmm. And she did everything in her power to bring the light into our home. We had family home evening. We did scripture study. We went to church religiously, you, you know, all of church, everything, <laughs> young women, you know, you know how you, it used to be that there was three meetings mm-hmm. on Sunday uh, yep. and then a couple on Wednesdays. And, and, and so we were fully engaged. And yet there was this dichotomy in our home of this huge contrast of the dark and the light. And so mm-hmm. as a child, I developed this very keen ability to be able to discern spirits very clearly. I think when you're fresh from heaven and you are in a situation like that, I think that it just, it's its just a very, you're pure, you know, mm-hmm. you're pure. And so you're able to see that very clearly when you're, when you're given both. Right. <laughs> and so even when my brother before he would even come home, I could feel when he came home, even if he, even if no one knew he had, there was this, there was this ability that I had acquired. Um, I consider that to be one of the greatest gifts Mm -hmm. that the Lord has ever given me is to be able to discern and to see truth and, and to be able to discern between truth and, and lies. Uh, even even really really uh, creative, you know, deception. So right. that was a gift in my life. Uh, I also, as a child, had an experience where 
I was I was raped by my neighbor at five years old, Ugh. and that was a really hard thing in my life. And and I and I frequently, you know, as a as a child, I I was taught this beautiful love of our heavenly Father and and of our Savior, and I and I knew it. I felt it. I I felt that was true. And yet, in the same sense, I I couldn't understand why everything bad seemed to happen <laughs> mm-hmm. to me and my family. You know, we were living, trying to live uh, the gospel. We were trying to be valiant and obedient, and yet it seems that God was kind of silent yeah. in our life and my mother was such a beautiful faithful person she taught me that in spite of the trials and in spite of the things that don't make sense to us that the lord is completely aware and to to just keep having faith and to see the blessings right Mm -hmm. that was a constant it was like a pollyanna type of a exercise in our home Right. Me complaining as a child <laughs> and her pointing out the blessings. Wow. Me complaining about other people, right? And mm-hmm. being the victim. Because mm-hmm. I was teased, merciless. I was teased uh, beyond belief with the birthmark. And so mm-hmm. I would come home with those experiences and my mother would teach me, why do you think someone would treat you like that? And and so that education, what she taught me, I feel was a, a huge blessing in my life. Um, as I became older and started to become a teenager, I was I really struggled with that and uh, was questioning the Lord. And the Lord gave me this beautiful gift when I went to EFY when I was a child, when I was a teenager of the person that was speaking, changed his talk and said, I feel very prompted. I had gone there fasting, Mm -hmm. wondering why the Lord had been silent in my life. I knew he loved me and I knew he loved my family. And yet I, I couldn't understand why I felt he, I felt like I was just thrown to the wind, pretty much, you know, born into the trauma and just not having any safety or, or protection or blessings. And you hear stories in church about people who, you know, pray and they find their watch. And, you know, you know, right. those stories of just, those were hard for me because I couldn't make sense of it because I knew God loved me. Mm-hmm. So when I went to, uh, EFY, I went there fasting uh, and with a prayer in my heart, why have you, why do you not care about my life and my family? I know you're good and I know you love us, but I don't understand. And so when he changed his talk and then proceeded to, proceeded to, um, talk about how the trials that the Lord allows us to go through are 
and education to help us to be able to understand um, our mission and the things that we will need to gain strength for later on in our life, that it was a part of our tutoring and that if we allowed the Lord in and didn't shut him out, that he would tutor us and and bless us through those trials to where later on we would be able to see his hand. And I will tell you that 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 talk for me was life-changing. It it completely gave me a new perception of my trials and a new understanding of why we're here. You know, my mother had taught me that this is a schoolroom, that we're here to to learn and to grow and to become the souls and the people that the Lord knows we can become. And but but hearing that and having him say that he changed his talk for me was was a complete answer to my prayers. And I felt the Lord saw me. Right. He saw me. And that was a huge thing for me as a child. Well, Fast forward, uh, well, let me let me just share this. So afterwards, after he, he gave his talk, I was so moved by it, and I just, I wanted to share with him. I was like, I wanted to tell him, you changed my life. This talk was exactly what I needed. Thank you for answering my prayers. And I went up there, and he, um, there was a long line of kids that wanted to, you know, talk to him, and and I'm sure that his talk touched all of them, just like, you know, like like it did me. But he saw me and he flippantly kind of said, "Is did someone spill Kool-Aid on your face? Because I didn't cover my birthmark very well Aww. at that time. And and my face kind of dropped, you know. And, and I said, no, it's a birthmark. And he just, his face just, I could see that he felt horrific. Mm-hmm. He felt horrible about what he had said and... And he said to me, will you please, please just wait, just wait. And and I need to tell you something. And um, so I waited and waited with my girlfriend. We were we were waiting. We were needing to go to another class. But uh, we waited for a little bit. And then finally, my girlfriend said, hey, we got to go. We we're going to be late. So we left. And fast forward six years later. I was dating um, a young man, and we'd become pretty serious. Uh, but because of my history, because of the stuff that I went through as a kid, I really didn't know if I ever could get married. I, I mm-hmm. didn't know what that relationship was supposed to look like. I'd never seen it healthy. I'd, and I just didn't know if I could have that kind of a relationship. So... It was a kind of an on and off again type of a thing, you know, where we would date and uh, we'd get close and then I would break it off and then we'd get back together and I'd break it off and (laughs) it was kind of that kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. So one day, Michael's brother, the man that I'm married to now, was sitting at the table with his mom and dad and my husband-to-be uh, and and they were talking about some a girl that that Michael was dating and and as they're talking uh, they said and she has a birthmark on the side of her face 
and Scott, my brother-in-law, stopped, and he didn't say anything. They said he just put kind of put his head in his hands, and he just was quiet for a while, and then he said, where does she work? And so the next day, uh, I was working at ZCMI. I don't know if you know. It's a, I'm, an old, I'm an old soul. Oh, yeah. I worked at ZCMI. Uh-huh. So... <laughs> And this man comes up and he he just sits, stands there and he puts his hand like this on the counter and he just stands there and looks at me. (laughs) And I'm like, can I help you? And you're a bit creepy, you know, he he just he just didn't say anything. He just kept looking at me. And I said, do we know each other? And uh, and he said, I think so. And he said, did you used to have blonde hair? And I said, yes. And then he just kept staring like this at me, like this. And I, and I said, okay, you look really familiar, but I'm not sure how I know you. Did you used to, do you, do you, to, do you speak, do you pub, do public speaking or something like that? And he said, yes. And I said, like religious classes? He said, yes, I do. And then he said, can I tell you a story? And I said, yes. And he said, six years ago, a young girl walked in late to one of the classes I was teaching at EFY. And he said, I've never had such a strong impression to speak about a specific topic. And I knew it was for you. And then I said something really stupid afterwards. And he says, I felt like I've left. I felt that I let the Lord down. And I didn't deliver the message that the Lord wanted me to deliver to you. Mm -hmm. And then he said, I've been putting unknown girl with birthmark on the temple prayer roll. Wow. Can you believe Oh, my it? gosh. <laughs> I and didn't even we, know you could do that. <laughs> well, he did. Oh, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And I, oh I said to him, I said, you don't understand. I said, you didn't fail me. That completely changed my life. And we just embraced and cried. And share this really beautiful experience of coming full circle to see how the Lord had had touched both of us. You know, what a beautiful miracle, right? I'm dating yeah. his brother. <laughs> and uh, Michael and I eventually got married. It took some. It took some more miracles for me to be able to trust him enough because I, I I actually had to receive an answer about that because I just didn't know like I said I didn't know if I could do that if I could be married and if I could have that relationship because I'd never seen it mm-hmm. um, all the men that I knew in my life had had not been healthy you know they hadn't been healthy relationships and mm-hmm. I even had some friends fathers as I was growing up, 
be inappropriate with me. And so I just mm -hmm. really didn't trust that. I didn't trust men. Right. So I needed the Lord to, to, to give me that confirmation, and he did. And, and so Michael and I have a beautiful relationship, and we have, like I said, five beautiful children, and um, it's, been a, it's been really a truly beautiful blessing in my life to see, just to see how the, beautif how the Lord, when he, when he answers prayers, usually does it for several people, mm -hmm. right? It's not, it's, it's, it's like the loaves and the fishes, right? It's, we contribute what we can and what we're able to, and we, we give him our gifts and what he does with those usually blesses so many lives. And they're usually intricately entwined beautifully. And that was one of those beautiful miracles in my life, was to be able to see that come full circle. Well, as I, as I had my children, my beautiful five children, my number two boy, Joshua, was born with, I would say, this unbelievable intensity, right? That I used to call my mother when he was a baby and say, I've never seen this in another human being, this kind of intensity. And mm -hmm. uh, just when Joshua decided something, there was nothing that we could do that would dissuade him. It was, he was unbelievable. I mean, at two years old, I would say, okay, I've tried positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement, chore charts, uh, you know, everything that I could think of to try to, uh, bribing, you know, mm -hmm. he just, he just was so adamant that I, I, like I said, I'd call my mother and I would say, I've never seen this. I've never seen this in other human being. And she said, <laughs> it's just our children nowadays. They just are really strong willed. You know, they're going to, yeah. uh -huh. you know, I'd have people say, well, these were the kids that led Satan out. You know, what do you expect? Right. Yeah. You take away a bit of their agency and it's, it's so in their core that it's it just brings out this, you know, whatever, even if it's something good, they're going to fight you against it because it's going against something that they want. Yeah. So anyway, I just so, feel like you just psychoanalyzed my entire relationship with my teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. That makes sense. I know. Like, okay. and they are that way. Wow. They're strong. They are. They're strong. <laughs> this this generation, they are like amazing kids. Mm -hmm. Amazing kids. Yeah. And and I have, have had witnesses of who they are that people would be just blown away by uh, how amazing they are. Um, the key is channeling them, you know, <laughs> and giving them the tools that they need to be able to navigate yeah. and to make the right decisions. Well, it was kind of that way. And I had, I, I actually had some experiences with Joshua when he was a child, um, that really were hard for me. Uh, when he was a, he was a very, very, um, angry child or, uh, what's the word just intense. And he very much, mm -hmm. he and I had this connection that, he couldn't be separated from me. There was this, uh, it wasn't sad, 
or or it was mad. Like it, when when there was a dis- disconnect between us, he would just get enraged and mm-hmm. scream and scream and scream and and I couldn't quite understand what that was or where that was coming from. But I mean, I he didn't have a babysitter for the first five years of life because wow. he wouldn't stop. There was no consoling him. Um, we we tried everything, and anyway, so. I would, I developed this little thing where I would wrap him up like a papoose really, really tight when I was holding him, trying to get him to go to sleep. And then I would put him, we had a car seat that could, because it was shaped like this, you know, like a, like I was holding him and Mm -hmm. we would put him in that while I would push a tape recorder of me singing songs about Jesus. And I would sneak down after I put him in that to try to get maybe an hour mm-hmm. of, of of not holding him right so this was like this this battle that we had and and once he would wake up he would just scream like like rage scream not sad like rage scream and wow. and so it was it was he was he was a tough kid well one time when I went into his nursery and he was crying like this I, I went in there and, and because I had the gift of discern, discerning spirits, okay, mm-hmm. I had, I had an experience, several experiences as a child where I literally put my hand to the square and cast out mm-hmm. spirits because I, I knew, I just developed a very keen understanding. I had some experiences that I won't go into, but I was very aware of the difference of the two spirit and, and the things I had to do to be vigilant in maintaining, maintaining, maintaining a good spirit with me. I was vulnerable. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I learned those tools. Well, I went into his nursery and it was filled with evil spirits. And I put my hand to the square and I cast them out. And I was angry. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I was angry at the Lord. I could not understand because I thought my son would be protected. Right. Aren't we told that they will before the age of accountability, that they will be protected. And so I was contending with the Lord and asking why. He would not protect my child. And what was told to me, I had a scripture come into my mind. And it was when the young man and the father took his child Mm -hmm. to Christ. And he asked for Christ to cast out the spirits. And the Lord, and, and he said, how long has he been afflicted? And the father said, as a babe. Yep. And so this understanding that my son, what he was contending with was the same thing that I contended with. And so I did everything in my power as he was a child to try to enlist the spirits that would protect and to fortify him and to give him um, the tools that he needed uh, the house was continually always we had good music. We tried to have good, you know, positive things in the home because I, I realized, oh, my son is susceptible like I was. 
And I think Mm -hmm. that that in itself, I will say, is an education for in itself. Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of people don't realize how real that is. And a lot of times things are cast off as being weaknesses or uh, things in our lives that we can't overcome and trials and things that you do, you look at people and you wonder why they're doing certain things. If people would utilize what we have, what we've been taught about that to be able to overcome mm-hmm. and because we are stronger. We are, we have way more positive and righteous influences in our lives than they, than, than they could put against us. But I think in not recognizing and understanding, because they like to work incognito, I think mm-hmm. it's really a detriment to people. And that's one thing that I wish that people would start to recognize is use, utilize the resources available to you. Use the priesthood, use the, yeah. use the. The things that will bring light into your life. If you're struggling with things, I guarantee you probably have spiritual gifts you're not aware of yet. I agree. And and that in not understanding what you're up against is defeating. Mm-hmm. And it it does not give you the tools that you need. And and that that's one thing that I am very passionate about is trying to help people to recognize you have the tools, but you're not recognizing what you're up against. Yeah. You know, anyway, so that's a story in itself. But so I thought, okay, my son is going to be susceptible. He's going to be, we're going to have to really try to bring things of light into the home and make sure that he is continually flooded with things of light. Right. Well, I didn't sense them again. I, I felt that, that, that had been taken care of. And so I felt that my son was uh, healthy and that he just was really strong spirited kid and didn't think much about it, much about it, you know, because I hadn't sensed, I felt very keen to those, those feelings and I hadn't sensed anything. And so I felt that we were good. And um, when he was that, that continually, that continued intensity was was a constant. It was a constant in our home, and I just kind of wrote it off as strong-willed kid. That and he was a good child. He was a good boy. He lit up the room and was just a beautiful, beautiful, wonderful spirited kid. And made us laugh. And was te- was a jokester. And he just he was a beautiful child. And he chose. He mostly chose to do what was right. So we didn't have, there wasn't drug addiction. There wasn't, uh, there wasn't doing things bad. He, he was Mm -hmm. a good kid. But, um, when he was preteen, I had one day, I had this voice that came to me that said, love this little boy as much as you can, because when he becomes a teenager, you will lose all influence over him. Well, that terrified me. You know, I immediately, this is something that I do frequently that I have to watch myself. I immediately went to fear, Mm -hmm. right? The message was not a message of fear. It was just 
knowledge. But I immediately went to fear. And that blocks further information. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because the two spirits can't coexist. Mm -hmm. Right? So... I, you know, I consist consistently where it's like, I've got to figure out what's wrong with my son before he becomes a teenager. You've got to figure out. <laughs> yeah. That was my, you know, and, and so that was my goal. And my, my constant prayer was, I need to know what's wrong with my son. Help me figure out, help teach me. I know you can teach me. And one thing I don't think that I shared was that as, because of, I think because of the things I went through as a child, I, I had this compensatory gift that the Lord had given to, given me that I have always received these very clear sentences in my head. Um, and they're usually words I would never use. Um, and they're, they're, sometimes they're things I have to go look up that I'd never thought of before. So I knew the Lord could tell me, mm-hmm. right? I, I, I had had so many experiences with that. I'm like, I know you can tell me and I'm going to, keep praying and I'm going to do the things I can to draw close to you. And I know you're going to tell me. And Joshua was 15 years old and things started getting really bad. Um, We started seeing these unbelievable bouts of rage that were just, just intense. Like you would not believe Um, like a pressure cooker almost right. No one else Mm -hmm. saw it. No one single person ever saw it. We had doctors say, this is puberty, write it out. He's going through puberty late. Um, it's the intense rages. That's, that's just because it's late and he's has extra, you know, testosterone raging through his body. Just, just write it out. He'll be fine. Mm -hmm. And so as a mother, you know, I kept feeling like, no, I know. I, in fact, I'd say, you've never seen this. This is not normal. This is, there's something going on, but I could not get him to a doctor now remember he he was he was like this kid that was just intense beyond belief and once he had made a decision on something it was like back off (laughs) Mm -hmm. because it would be it would be the fight of your life and and michael and i we we chose our battles very very carefully with him because we knew that it would be that we would have to follow through right and and those battles were very carefully chosen and they were usually very significant um, purposes in those and, or that it just was something we couldn't, that we had to, in you know, apply. So 15 and a half, 16 years old, um, the rages kept getting more severe, uh, but they were few, they were, they were, it wasn't all the time. Joshua wasn't depressed. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a happy kid, but we noticed that these rages were getting closer together. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, <sighs> the night before Joshi took his life, we had a battle and we had taken his phone away, which the phone had become a real detriment to our in our home because I think he used it to escape. And when we felt that he was unrighteously using it or using being on there too long or having too much time, we would take it away. And, and that night we had a battle of, because like I said, the, the intensity of this kid was 
was just beyond us. It was, he was far stronger than we were in, in those battles. And so we had taken away and it was an ugly scene. And the next morning, um, went to, got up, he had locked himself in the bathroom and, um, we told him we were going to church and, and that we loved him. And he said, I have a headache. I'm not going. And I just, before I left, I said, sweetie, I love you. It's going to be okay. And when we came home from church, my sweet little daughter found him first. And then the rest of us found him. And um, it was horrible. The reason why I tell you that is because the Lord gave me that compensatory gift. And while I was in church taking the sacrament, I did what I always did. And that was pray for my boy. to help me understand what was wrong, how I could help him, what it, what I needed to do. And that was the time that he was ending his life. And so when I came home and the years after that, that was a real struggle for me. Because normally I feel things so intuitively. I get, I get warnings from my neighbor at three o'clock in the morning with very clear messages to go and to meet them in the parking lot of the temple. <laughs> and so to not receive guidance or knowledge of my son when it was a righteous desire of a righteous mother it was a real struggle for me in under not understanding why the Lord would remain silent and why he would held that vital information of how to help my boy. And um, so for two years, <laughs> that was my prayer. Heavenly Father, I know that you loved my son and I know you love my family. And I know you're going to tell me. <laughs> yeah. I know you're going to tell me why you withheld this information and why, why my son, what, what happened to my son? What happened to him? How, mm -hmm. what happened? You know, we took apart his computer. We, I went to the school to see if there was bullying. I looked for signs of maybe uh, things that he was involved in, maybe that we didn't know about, because I know that that kind of rage is not for young men. Mm -hmm. That's a sign of, of some deep distress. Yeah. Rage. Rage right. is, rage is the common place that they go. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I knew there's something going on and I couldn't, I couldn't pinpoint what it was. And anyway, that was my prayer. You're going to, I know you're going to tell me. <laughs> yeah. And, um, 
and I'm going to stay faithful and I'm going to do everything in my power to remain strong and, 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 and be faithful and, and do the things that I need to, to keep this connection. And so when Josh died, I was given seven things very clearly to do that I did religiously because whenever I've received these kind of, uh, this, this knowledge or guidance, I, it's, I know where it's from and it's, it's factual to me. Mm -hmm. And so I just, I did all of those things very religiously. One of them was making sure that I got the sacrament every single week. So that Mm -hmm. Sunday I was there and I continue to be there every single Sunday, a mess, but every Sunday. And, um, because I've learned that that is a real power. That's not pretend. That's not a nice little, um, thing that we do just to remember that's a power. Right. And, um, I'm a witness of that. So those seven things I did religiously, and I continue to do those for two years with a constant prayer. And then one night, uh, as I went to bed saying my prayers, I heard in my mind, Tammy, you need to let this go. Ugh. And I'm telling you, I did not, I, I could not understand that. I wasn't angry at the Lord. I just knew I had the ability to, to understand and that Lord had the ability to teach me. And so that was my, that was my constant desire. And I felt that I was entitled to kind of to that because I had stewardship over my son. Right. And that that would be a gift that the Lord would give me to comfort my soul. So, but that night it was very clear. And so I said to the Lord, I said, I don't understand. I don't understand why I have to let this go. But I, I know you love my son. And I know you love my family. And so I'm going to let this go. I don't understand, but I'm going to trust you. And I meant it. And that night, about three o'clock in the morning, I was awakened with a male voice. And I could feel a presence in my room. I didn't recognize the presence. I didn't, I knew it wasn't my son. I thought it could possibly have been my father, who I never knew Mm -hmm. that died before I was born. But I didn't recognize the voice. And I heard um, just Tammy. Joshua had a brain tumor. And I, I asked, is this true? Is this true? And what happened to me was I'll never be able to explain or describe. But from the toes to my, throughout my whole body and up to my top of my head just surged this unbelievable 
light and knowledge and I, I can't explain it, but it just, it was just knowledge flowing through my body. And I absolutely knew it was true. The joy and the light and the pure, radiant truth were just radiated through my entire body. And I saw where it was. And I never, I did not know a thing about the brain. Had no idea. Never even considered it. It had never entered my mind that something physically wrong or something physical mm-hmm. was wrong with my son. Mm-hmm. It it was beyond anything I had ever thought of. And I I woke up my husband and I said, Joshua had a tumor. And we just wept the entire night. And in the morning I woke up and I ran downstairs and I started Googling uh, rage disorder brain tumor because I knew he knew there was a correlation there. And um, what I found was like a diary for my son. Oh, wow. All of these things that I thought were random, that I could not put together, that I had talked to doctors about, that everyone kind of just blew off as being nothing. Mm-hmm. There, there was, there was, two case studies that I found and um, but the first, but the first case study that I found said a young man who has this kind of tumor, if they go through puberty with this kind of tumor will experience uncontrollable rage because what's happening is there's extra that the testosterone is raging through the body causing additional blood to go to the body and it will feed the tumor causing the tumor to expand and push up against the amygdala which is the emotion center of the brain the amygdala is what kicks in when a mother has a when a car falls on a child and a mother lifts up the car right that's the amygdala it's it's a it's a fight or flight it's a it's an instinct that kicks in that is uncontrollable mm-hmm. and that's what was being triggered in my son and then it said something that just was a unbelievable witness of that and it said a young man who has this kind of tumor will have constant nosebleeds well, Joshua had nosebleeds his entire life. Wow. And we just, I had taken him to the doctor a couple times. And his pediatrician had said, oh, yeah, it's common. It's common mm-hmm. for Utah. Yep. Um, the kids constantly have them. The, there's dry air and high altitude. Mm-hmm. And they'll probably continue. And, and your son has overactive capillaries. Um, they're thin. So he'll probably have to have him stripped a couple times in his life. And I never looked at it again. Can you believe that? Wow. <laughs> I, I, there it was staring us right in the face. And, and after I found this out, I, I was like really angry at myself because mm-hmm. there it was staring me in the face, the cons, the, 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 the whole time. And and I had gotten so used to it. We all had gotten so used to it that we just blew it off as being normal. It was normal. Joshua's used to them. 
we, he had them all the time. Yeah. And the only reason why I knew he still had them was because I'd see the blood. That was the only, he never complained. And I found out later that he went out, he, he went to prom about a month before he took his life. And his girlfriend said, yeah, he went out three times during prom for, with, bloody, with a bloody nose. So they were getting worse. Wow. But he didn't say a thing because he was used to it. <laughs> right. Anyway, after that, guess uh, what? I got angry at God again. <laughs> that's what we do, right? We, that's what we do. And that's that's a part of grief too, isn't it? It's just, it's so funny how it can just come right back around. Thanks for giving me the answer. Now I'm going to be super mad at you. Yeah. I was so mad. I'm oh. like, really? Really? Yeah. He had a tumor. You gave me this compensatory gift. And you chose to withhold that information. I that mm-hmm. t- makes no sense to me at all. In in fact, why would you give me that gift? This was a I had stewardship over my son. This was right. my stewardship. I if anyone had the right to know, it was me. Right. And 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 not only that, but you had given me enough information to know that I needed to be, to help him, and yet you did not tell me how. Yeah. <laughs> So I, I was a little perturbed at the Lord and yet I, I knew enough, honestly, I have, I have developed a relationship that I, a lot of times when things don't make sense, you just have to kind of plow through it and, and, and know that eventually it will. But I, I just was, I was kind of mad. And so I kept doing researching. I kept studying, trying to figure out what would have caused a tumor on my son's amygdala. Right. And what I found was two case studies and um, there's not a lot. There's not a lot of information about this. In fact, you have to plow through a lot of conspiracy theorists to get to the actual studies, because I guess Mm. people have gotten a hold of some of these studies and they've kind of they've 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 used them in their conspiracy theories. Right. Mm. So what happens is you get you lose the studies. Yeah. Through the garbage, you, through the people who take it to the extreme and become extremists. And not that I don't believe conspiracies are real. I do. Right. But when you're trying to find studies on what would cause tumors and why your son would have had a tumor and you have to weed through months of data to try to find two case studies, that's pretty bad. Mm-hmm. So anyway, the first case study was a man in the 1960s who actually wrote journals. He kept journals and he talks about nosebleeds and the rage that he can't control and uh, erratic emotions that he doesn't know how to, what's wrong with him. He says, I'm feeling love and then I want to kill someone. He, he, it's just erratic of, of, trying to understand what's going on. And he, and he sensed there was something wrong with him, but he, no one could tell him. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the night before he performed this horrific act, he actually went to the police and he said, there is something wrong with me and I want to hurt people. You need to lock me up. And the police said, well, you haven't done anything wrong. There's nothing we can do. Um, and he was the first mass shooting in United States history. Wow. And on his, 
after he died because he was he took his life. Uh, he had written a letter and he said, there is something wrong with me. Do an autopsy on my brain because I want people to know what happened to me. I want people to understand. And when they did the autopsy, there it was, tumor on the amygdala. Um, the second case study was a young father who started having erratic behaviors and his personality completely changed and became, he started rage at his family and his, his wife said, you either go get help or uh, you're bringing a divorce. And so he went in and they put him on an antidepressant and uh, he had a seizure after like a couple months on that antidepressant, he had a seizure and they, so they ran, they rushed him in and they did an, they did a uh, scan and they found a tumor on the amygdala. Well, because of where the tumor was, it was inoperable. And so they decided to do spot radiation and they targeted it down with a laser down onto the tumor trying to shrink it because there wasn't any therapy for it so they shrunk the tumor uh, but what happened was they shrunk the tumor but they damaged the amygdala which now remember the amygdala is the emotion center of our brain so it is it is empathy and love and compassion and anger it's it's intense emotion right it's the it's the thing that that causes us to have those emotions and to feel those things mm -hmm. in. So because the, he was like a zombie, the family said, let's stop the radiation. Let's um, maybe we'll get some of him back. You know, maybe he'll have some quality of life before the tumor takes his life. Mm -hmm. And so they stopped the, the therapy. But what happened was, the tumor grew back, the amygdala didn't. Mm. So because the man didn't have the, the, the compassion and the love for his family, the rage took over. And this man performed a horrific act on his entire family. Mm. And so wow. the reason why I tell you such an ugly story like that is because after I got that final bit of information, I realized this could have been worse. Wow. The Lord was not going to intervene for my family, which he, he very often does not. We often don't get the miracles and the things that will will be the beautiful miracles in our lives. We don't get those. And sometimes we question the Lord and say, why are you, why have you abandoned me? Why do you love other people? And yet for me, it's those miracles don't apply to me. They, they aren't in my life. But what I realized from getting that final bit of information was the Lord was going to allow this but he was going to allow it to happen to where he didn't take out as many as it could and that it could, it, it could affect us as many as it could have affected. And I think something happened to Joshua where he lost control. And 
you know, this is not a glorification because I, that the one thing that I do never want anyone to ever think that there's any justification or any reason or any reason that suicide could ever be good. Right. It can't, it's not. And honestly, Joshua, if he would have known and it could have come, if he could come back, I know he would say the same thing, mm-hmm. that he would have chosen differently. But in this full circle of coming to understand what happened to my son, I came to understand the love and mercy of the Lord. That if we would have known, we would have done everything in our power to try to stop that and to try to fix the tumor. We could have made it worse. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing that I know is going to happen from this podcast is there is going to be people who are going to hear this and they're going to recognize some symptoms because I've had, I have not shared this story massive, like to a large audience because for one, I don't want to ever glorify it. And I don't want people to think it's okay that their family will be fine. Mm -hmm. But for another thing is I don't want to instill a lack of hope for people that because my son's tumor was inoperable, that if their children are experiencing things like this, that theirs are not inoperable because I do not believe that for one minute. I believe my son's was on the amygdala. But having said that, I've had some experiences since this coming to know what happened to my son where the Lord has sent me people. And I have had uh, messages given to me about that I need to share this with them. And inevitably, guess what? They always have a child or they've had, there's something going on where they have the exact same symptoms. But what we found is there has been one that's had a tumor that was removable. And another one that had a pituitary gland that was acting exactly like a tumor because it had expanded because of extra blood flow. And the the pituitary gland was pushing up against the amygdala, causing the same kind of rage. Oh, my goodness. So that one, the daughter, actually, she was they, they had put her in an institution because they couldn't. Um, they had to watch her 24 seven. She was on suicide watch. And I met this woman who immediately said, nosebleeds, that's it. That's it. Got her daughter in, got the scan. They saw the pituitary gland. They put her on a medication. Well, guess what? Within a week, her daughter was back. (laughs) Wow. Oh my gosh. Wow. So, my story is not going to be everyone's story and it's not going to be the case for a lot of these kids who are experiencing these kind of disorders with the rage, because there's a lot of young men who are, and a lot of kids who they're on antidepressants and they're, it's not going to be the case for all of them, but there will be people that are listening to this, that they will see symptoms and they'll start to think that possibly that might be a possibility. Yeah. Get a scan. Get a scan. Um, and, and it's not inoperable. The, the people that I've met has not been inoperable. I met a woman on the plane coming home from, uh, coming from home from where were we? Las Vegas. We had gone to a concert on the plane home. It happened to be my son's 10 year 
anniversary to his birthday, right? Or mm-hmm. 10 year ten year anniversary of his death, which happened to also be his birthday because he was born on Mother's Day. And I was sitting next to this woman and she looked like she was a mess. She just, I could tell she was really emotionally just having a real struggle. And I, I just said to her, is everything okay? Are you all right? And she just started sobbing. And I said, tell me what's wrong. She says, well, my daughter has been suicidal. They've moved her to an institution in Utah and it's her birthday and I'm flying out to see her. And I don't know what I can tell her because I don't know how to help her. And I immediately knew exactly that the Lord had placed me right by her for a very specific reason. And I said, oh, it's your daughter's birthday. It's my son's birthday, too. Can you believe that? The coincidence of that? I mean, that's not a coincidence. That's a miracle. Yeah. And and so I, I proceeded to tell her, I said, I think I know why we're sitting together, because it was a happenstance that I even got put there. And um, I asked her, I said, tell me about your daughter. Tell me kind of what, what she's experiencing. And she says, well, we've been afraid of her for a long time. She has these rages that are uncontrollable. And we, we don't know how to help her. And now she's suicidal. And um, we just have run out of options. We don't know what to do. And I said, tell me, does she have a lot of nosebleeds? And the woman just started sobbing. She said, how would you ever know that? And then I proceeded to tell her my story. So her daughter, there's a possibility of getting her daughter help, Mm -hmm. right? And I don't think that the Lord would ever have given me this knowledge if I wasn't supposed to give people hope. Because I think that there are specific people that are being affected by this and no one's looking at it. No one's looking at the brain, you know, and, and I don't want to go into this now, but after I found out it was a tumor, I became kind of a radical in trying to figure out what happened and how my son would have developed a tumor. Well, I found lots of information that's really troubling about our environment. Yeah. And the things that are causing this, that, you know, this is, that's, this isn't the place, but that's where, that's actually where I ran into a lot of conspiracy theorists because this information has been pretty readily available for a long time, but it's been buried. So our kids are being affected. I believe the Lord is wanting us to be aware of this. But here's my testimony, okay? After after it's all said and done, this is what I want people to take away from this. The Lord is so fully, fully aware of each of us. He is intimately, intimately orchestrating so many things that we just don't see that make no sense that sometimes are really, really ugly. I mean, when you are, when you're dealing with mental illness and you're dealing with all kinds of abuse, even drug abuse, the Lord is fully aware and he can put things in place and in, in our pathway that will be instruments in our growth and in our development and in the miracles that will one day happen. And if we can just hold on 
and we can strive to bring ourselves closer in alignment with him and do the things that will draw him in and remain faithful, I, I promise you with everything in my heart that he will bring things full circle and that you will see the beautiful miracles and the love of the Lord and how loving and kind and how he has not abandoned any of us. I mean, I'm looking at my childhood and looking at the things that people go through. If I could say one thing to children who are going through trauma and feeling abandoned by the Lord is that he trusts you. This is part of what your mission is going to be. He is, he is allowing you and trusting you to go through these things so that you will be better qualified and better capable of doing his work. I don't know full circle yet what exactly the Lord wants me to do with this. I've had some inklings and I've had uh, this the 10-year anniversary of his death. I had an incident where I realized that this is what the Lord wants me to do, um, that I'm supposed to share this story now on a larger mm -hmm. scale. But I felt for a long time I didn't know. I would ask him, what do you want me to do with this? I'm just a crazy mom who's had this vision and I have no proof. You know, I just have this experience and, and this gift that you've given me, and I'm not sure what you want me to do with that. But the Lord in his mercy, I, I absolutely believe this, that I will see exactly why this all was allowed to happen and that the Lord will make good of it. And that's a hard thing to say, but the Lord can turn things into beautiful, beautiful miracles that yeah. are come from really ugly things. Uh, I am a witness to that. I, my brother, as a, as a side note, my brother who was a meth addict from the age of 12 to 28 years old came home and decided that he wanted to clean up and went on a mission. And he now witnesses and testifies and ministers to prison to people in texas in the prisons mm. and he's been clean and he's he's a beautiful beautiful example and and a miracle my brother is a miracle when you look at where he came from and what he is doing now and and just what good the lord made out of that mm -hmm. trust him trust him Trust him and ask him to give you strength and and ask him to show you what he wants you to do with that. You know, um, I had a phrase that continually came into my mind and it was, take up your cross, take up your cross. And that's, that's what I see you guys doing, mm -hmm. is you are trying to use your gifts and your abilities and your talents to try to bring light and to try to share goodness with the world the world needs goodness and they and, and the world needs faith promoting beautiful stories of how of people who have remained faithful and trusted in the lord and my witness is that is that he is ever present and he's ever mindful of you and just do the things that Draw him closer to you, and sometimes you will feel vacant, but just continue forward. And 
I just testify of that with all my heart. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. Well, Tammy, you are an incredible person. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing that. Wow. Thank you. I hope for- it comes across the way that the Lord wants it to. Oh, I'm sure for well, those who came across- hear it, definitely <laughs> will. Yeah. They yeah. will hear it. <laughs> for sure. Oh, well, and man. It, it sounds like you've already helped quite a few people just from the experience that you've had so far, right? So I think I you're... Have. You helping people is is just getting started. You're gonna you're gonna help a lot more people. Yeah. That would be my greatest desire. I wanted to share one quick little thing. I have a rug sure. that I found in a thrift store. Uh that was a complete disaster. I was looking at it going, what is that complete mess? <laughs> And it intrigued me because it was just like this bowl of spaghetti, right? It just looked like awful. And and I turned it over and it was the most beautiful, intricate rug that I had ever seen. Wow. And every, every thread was just completely beautifully uh, put in its perfect place. And and I I heard in my mind, Tammy, this is this is your life. This is what you don't uh-huh. see. This is this is what I'm doing with your life. And I would say I would repeat that for every single person out there. Um, sometimes it's so easy to feel completely vacant and void and and spiritually dead inside, especially when you've gone through trauma for a long time. But hang in there, have hope, have faith. And just continually try to seek him, seek his face, and he will he will give you beautiful miracles. Yeah, wow. you know I have so many so many thoughts and so many questions, and um, and and now that we're kind of wrapping up, and I can ask them, and I don't even know which one to start with. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, but I, go I, if you're open for just a, a few minutes more of conversation, absolutely. Um, I'm sure that Scott probably has some thoughts too, but you know, I was thinking about, um, and when you and I had spoken on the phone, um, originally, uh, I was thinking about, um, the, the um, saviors, saviors of suffering that I had mentioned, I'd read it in this book. And yes, and I talked about this book talked about how sometimes there are things in this life that we have volunteered for Mm. suffering in this life that we volunteered for so that we could better understand and help to maybe not correct, but but maybe it's just maybe just help in some way to to um, be a light to others who are going through that, that same suffering. And just as you were telling your story, that just kept coming back in my head over and over again, that not only, you know, were you, um, someone who you very well could have stood up, you know, before even coming to this earth and saying, Hey, I, you know, let me go through this. Let me go through this. And you said that heavenly father trusted you. You know, that you said that sometimes Heavenly Father just trusts us to do what needs to be done with our trauma. And I loved that. I thought it was so, so beautiful. And then I thought about 
just your brother and then your son, even, you know, with his short time here on earth. How, how many people he can affect for good, even though he's not physically here with you any longer, his story still remains and his light still remains. And I, my heart just goes out to you because I couldn't even imagine what that would feel like to lose a child and then to have that information come to you and to keep, you know, feeling that frustration of like, what could I have done more? You know, like I was already trying, what could I have done more? Why didn't you answer me? And I just, I keep coming back to that. Maybe this was something that was, that you guys volunteered for as a family. You volunteered to be together, to become those saviors of suffering so that you could understand a little bit more about the atonement and you could understand how to love the way that our heavenly father loves. And so, I, just I would, <laughs> I think that's really beautiful. And I would hope that the Lord has come to trust me. I mean, that is my greatest desire is to come to where he, he knows that I'm his friend and that he can trust me with hard things. You know, as, as going through these hard things, my, my heart, like I said, I cry a lot. <laughs> it has, is extremely sensitive because my heart breaks for anyone who, who is in that hole, mm-hmm. right, of either side of being someone who loves someone with depression or someone who's struggling with them with that with themselves and not understanding. Yeah. Um, one thing that I have come to know through my experiences is that the adversary tried to get me when I was young. Right. When I was young and vulnerable and I did not yet know who I was and what my mission was and, and, and tried to destroy me as a child. And my, you know, one thing that I would really like to tell people that they're not, that I don't feel that they're fully aware of is that if you have, if you're struggling with depression, anxiety, if you have a debilitation that is a mental block or something that you don't feel uh, connected to the Lord or that you feel broken, what I would like to say to people is that I, be- I truly believe this. I feel you have an untapped spiritual gift you are not aware of yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I completely believe that If you were born right now in these last days, you have a very specific mission. You already promised that you would do it. And so if you are going through really horrible things, if you're struggling with depths of despair and hard, ugly, there's some really ugly things that can happen in this world. And you can have ugly influences in your life. Know that you probably have a gift here that is untapped. And that if you can just strive to get closer to the Lord, and that means do your part, do the work, do the work. He will, 
he will give you that compensatory gift of coming to understand what that is. And you will feel so empowered and so loved in the ability to understand and to see what that gift is and to be able to develop it, to be able to benefit and and help his children, his other children Mm -hmm. who are desperately in need. Oh, we need people. We need those testimonies. We need people who can stand up and say, I know who Christ is. I know him. And I know that he is real and that he has power and that he can help you through whatever trial you are going through. But don't jump off ship. Don't jump ship. You know? (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes I'm telling you, sometimes it looks, it makes, I had some things told to me after Josh died that made me really mad. Like I had some things that sentences in my head that made no sense at all. And I was like, that just makes no sense. And I, how dare you say that to me? But now as I come full circle and I, and I see that I am like, oh, oh, not only that, but I see that even the, even the sexual abuse as a child, it tutored me. It gave me tools. It gave me a relationship with the Lord because I was in the closet frequently. Right. And not in the closet per se, but well, literally in the closet because I was hiding. Right. Mm -hmm. And in those moments of despair and, and reaching out, trying to connect with the Lord, I had experiences that I, that cemented my faith and cemented that for me to where I had a foundation I had a strong enough foundation. So build up that foundation. If you're going through really hard things and you can't see what the heck the Lord is doing, build the foundation, build it, do the things that you know, and you've been taught to do to where when you finally, when your mission is finally visible, you'll be able to draw on that and you'll be able to say, Oh, I see. I see why. The Lord had me go through that. I see why he allowed that to happen. I don't think the Lord ever causes our trauma. I don't think he ever gives us trials. I really, truly do not believe that. But I believe that he allows the effects of this fallen world to have full effect on us. Mm -hmm. And Sometimes we see a miracle in that building of our testimony. Sometimes he will give us these beautiful miracles so that we can have this faith promoting experience so that when he doesn't, we will be able to have something, right? Mm -hmm. And I didn't have that a lot when I was a kid. I didn't have a lot of faith promoting, but guess what the Lord gave me? He gave me a mother. Yeah. who was unbelievably righteous and beautiful and good and and taught me discipline in my mind to be able to work through things instead of going directly to victim, right? That's the natural mm-hmm. place to go. It's the victim. It's easy. And, and once we become the victim, the Lord can't speak truth to us. 
Yeah. It, it's, it's like it blocks that. It's almost like we have to be broken to the point where we finally let that victimization go mm-hmm. to where we're ready to receive and ready to accept what he has to give us. Does that make sense? Makes perfect sense. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. yeah. I just I keep, look- yeah, I just keep thinking like you go from a victim and then you have to volunteer to come forward and to, and to eventually work your way to being the victor, right? Like that progressive um, ladder, I guess, right. To get up there. So, but you look at the, you look at where Satan wants to keep us, right? Mm -hmm. Who was the greatest victim of all time? (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. I truly believe because I, I, I had these reoccurring dreams as a child that I remembered some things from the pre-existence war. And, and so I, I, my feelings are, is that the adversary didn't present a plan. What he did was accuse. He accused the father and the son of lying. And that their plan was not going to bring everyone back. And that the Savior would not be able to do it. And that we were being selfish by following a plan that was going to not be edifying and equal, equal to our Mm, brothers and sisters. We see that today everywhere. Yeah. Do you see the same thing playing out? (laughs) It's like equality, equality. Life's supposed to be fair. Well, it's not. Not supposed to be fair, <laughs> and it's How the fascinating. It's the, it's the talents, right? It's the parable mm-hmm. of the talents. Yeah. It's it's if you're given one talent and you go and bury it instead of using it to edify and build others up, then you're burying it. Mm-hmm. And and if the Lord gives you ten talents, well, He expects you to 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 come back with. With more, and I and I believe that that parable is like completely linked to to what the Lord has given us and what He expects from us and what we're able to do with what He gave us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. anyway, sorry, uh, I'm taking all the time up. No, you're good. <laughs> so I mean, I don't think any question I could ask is better than what you've already said. I know. Honestly. <laughs> Wow, you've got so many good insights, and I mean, just your you can just feel your genuine love and sincerity in and mm-hmm. thought in everything you say. Thank and you. I mean, just thank you. I'm not a big crier, but I feel it. I I really feel everything you've said, and I'm incredibly grateful for what you've shared with us. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely, thank you. I love you guys and I love the work you're doing and I am so grateful for you doing it because um, it needs to, we need to flood the internet with goodness. Yeah. Right. And people who are seeking and searching for hope. So thank you. We'll We'll do everything we can to get your message out, Tammy. Yeah, for sure. And if anyone uh, is listening and they're interested in contacting with you and, you know, getting in contact with you to have you share your story, maybe on their podcast or at a fireside or something like that, what would be the best way for them to get in touch with you? you They're welcome to, you can put my email on there. I've put it on a couple different sites. I'm perfectly fine with receiving whatever anybody would like to send me. Okay. And, um, 
and I will reach out to all of them. Okay. And try to help. I love <laughs> awesome. It. Perfect. Well, guys, uh, to all of our listeners, we just want to say thank you so much for tuning in today and for um, going with us on this journey of Tammy's story. We hope that you guys were able to feel the spirit as much as I know Scott and I have definitely been feeling it <laughs> throughout this whole episode. And, um, and we want to encourage you guys to be sure that you like, share and comment on this video, leave a little message for Tammy, let her know what stood out to you the most, what um, helped you with your own testimony or with your own perspective. Um, I'm sure that she would love to hear it just as much as we would. And if you guys have a story that you would like to share, please, please, please head over to Latter-day Lights and you can fill out the form at the very bottom of the page, or you can, um, message us on Facebook. Scott and I are both on, on the Latter-day Lights page on Facebook. So make sure you guys do that and, you know, do our little five second missionary work and push that share button and get this story out to the rest of the world. You never know who might need to hear exactly what was said today. I agree. And can I say one more thing? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I have actually started a YouTube page where I want people to share their stories of faith and hope and overcoming with Christ. And it's called Hope in Christ. So if anybody has a story they want to share with me, I would love to hear it. Perfect. Uh, We'll go ahead and add that link in the description too. So you guys can go find Tammy and email her and you can look up her YouTube channel and and get in contact. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks guys. Yeah. Thank you. And thanks everyone for watching and we will talk to you next Sunday. Till then. See ya. Wow. Wow. (sighs) You, you did amazing. So, Good. So many beautiful messages, Tammy. You, I know you said you have a friend that's helping you write a book, writing your book right now, right? Is it mm-hmm. going to be like as a memoir or is it going to be like it's kind of lessons and thoughts? And- it's kind of just a compilation of not really everything that's in my life, but all of the things that were really significant, the, the things mm-hmm. that really taught me principles and right. miracles that happened. We had an experience that was unbelievable about my daughter and my son with ducks. I don't know if I told you this story, Mm-mm. but he, my son, when he was 16 years old, he was doing a school project and he come, came home with a chicken, a baby chick, you know, mm-hmm. and it was heading into the winter. And I'm like, absolutely not. You are not, we are not having a chicken. You go back to EFA and you take that chicken back. <laughs> and, and so he came back with a duck. <laughs> <laughs> That's my Josh. That was my Josh. Wow. Okay? And, and, and I'm thinking, oh, ducks are even stinkier. Right. And chickens, right? And and I'm thinking incubation in the house. So great, you know. Oh, and I heard in my mind very clearly, you let him keep it. Wow. And that was really startling to me. But I, you know, like I told you, I when I hear those, I'm like very obedient because I. It's just really. It's very clear to me. Just see, it feels. It's like someone talking to me. It's like, it's just very clear. And, and so I did. 
And then his little sister in him, which he and his little sister were always antagonistic because he felt like his sister took his place. And so there was always this kind of like friction continually with those two. And I, it hurt my heart because I felt like they, you know, my, they just never had a connection. And so I, I looked at the two of them and they were both playing with this duck and having this beautiful experience together. And she starts saying, I want a duck too. I want a duck. And, and I'm thinking, oh, oh. so I let them go get another duck together. <laughs> <laughs> so we had these two ducks and they named them Jeremy and Pepsi. And Pepsi was the girl. No, no, no. Jeremy was the girl and Pepsi was the boy. Okay. And they were about as different as different could be. Jeremy was like a little mallard, ugly little dark duck. And Pepsi was this beautiful little white duck, right? And uh-huh. so they played together and we raised them in the wintertime where they were really, really stinky and gross. And we got all the lamps and every, you know, all the stuff. And um, about a month before Joshi died, Madison came screaming up the stairs, hysterical, saying, Pepsi's dead. Pepsi's dead. That was hers. Her, Pepsi was her little duck, right? Mm-hmm. And Jeremy was my son's duck. And and so I went downstairs, and sure enough, Pepsi's legs were straight up in the air. She was upside, you know, she was upside down with her legs straight up. And, and I picked her up, and she was cold as cold as ice so I knew she had been dead for a while right and I heard in my mind you can ask for this and I would have never in my wildest dreams ever ever done this because that's part of life yeah dying and it's a, it's, it's a perfect, you know, experience to, to teach your child about death, right? And, and, and just, just the cycle of life. And I would have never challenged her faith by asking something like that because it was kind of trivial, right? Mm-hmm. But I knew what that meant. I knew that the Lord was saying, you can ask, you can ask for this. So I took the duck in my hands and I put Maddie's hands and I, we, we put the, hand, the duck in our hands and I said, Maddie, we're going to say a prayer that this little duck can come back alive. And we said a prayer and guess what? The duck came alive. Oh, wow. And, you know, I thought about that and I thought that was a very odd thing that the Lord would even be involved in that or think that that was but this is what I learned from that those little ducks followed my little girl around she was the one that found him she was very traumatized by what she found and they followed her around and she was their little mother for that time, and it was her and Josh. Something, it was a beautiful memory that they shared, and and the Lord was saying, Maddie, I'm not going to take, I'm not going to 
stop this from happening. But I am a God of miracles and I'm aware of you and I'm gonna give you this to know that I'm here and that I know you. And that was a beautiful, a beautiful thing to be able to have that little duck <laughs> as they grew up and they, they got um, bigger and stinkier. <laughs> <laughs> but what a beautiful thing, right? Yeah. Can you believe that that was important enough to the Lord to teach her that, that this, this I am, I do perform miracles. That was a miracle. And that was this unbelievable, beautiful thing that we, that we, that was a testimony of his love during that time period. Right. Oh my wow. And then later on, later on, when they got bigger, we decided we're, we got to take these ducks to uh, get rid of them. So I decided to get a dog, a little dog for them to try to replace the ducks. And so I told the kids, <laughs> we got to take the ducks to uh, adventure learning park and, and free them in the, in the pond. Right. So we made friendship bracelets for them and put them around their little legs <laughs> and let them go. And when we went to the pond, it was all of the mallards and all the white ducks were completely, they were segregated, right? So my daughter was like, oh, they're, they're going to be separated. They're not going to be friends anymore, right? And the following winter, we went to the park and guess who comes running up? Oh, Jeremy and Pepsi still together. <laughs> wow. Oh my gosh. Isn't that an amazing, beautiful? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I love that. So, so like I told you, we've had some beautiful, you know, I've had some beautiful miracles and beautiful witnesses of his love. 